This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. ISIS is on the rise. Our southern border is in tatters. China's economy is collapsing and members of law enforcement are being targeted for assassination. Do you see a trend here? Being prepared isn't just a good idea, it's an absolute necessity. Get your 72-hour emergency food supply for only $10 plus free shipping by calling My Patriot Supply at 800-823-2519. Stop procrastinating. 800-823-2519. My Patriot Supply, it's not just food, it's freedom. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe, pinch hitting for patents due today. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to need your little your help a little bit later on in the program. And what we need your help with is explaining to us or sharing with us if you have information on what this is called. We have we have tried extensively to figure out what this hand motion means. You guys have all seen it before. It's a celebratory uh, uh, signal for hey I won, hey I'm doing well. But we've tried to figure out what it is. Now, we've gotten stories of people doing it before. And here's the problem, is I don't even know how to research this. I don't know how to type into Google uh, cusping hands, over shoulder, celebratory uh, stance. If anybody knows, we need your help. Give us a call. Tweet at us. We just have to know what that means. It's 888-900-3393, or is it the Beck number? Is it the Beck number? Yeah, it's 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Just need to just explain to us what this is called, if you know the history of this, because we can't even research it. It's this. It's the putting your hands together, and then one side of your head, and then the other side of your head shaking it. Hooray, hooray. Like the winner's circle type of thing. This came about, Skip and I were in Detroit, and a guy was cutting us off in traffic and swerving around and got around us and just basically being a jerk. And when he got around us, he put his hands out the window and was like, hooray for me. And I were like, what is that from? Where well, did that come from? We've all seen it a hundred times, too. But in this specific moment, after this guy was attempting to race Doc and we weren't trying to race, he does this. And we finally had the moment of, what the hell oh, is yeah. that? Right. We've all seen it. So let us know. You can also tweet at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. We'll, uh, we'll explain or talk about it a little bit more later on. I am now convinced that Donald Trump will not get the nomination and he will not be president. I'm now convinced of this. Apparently you're the only person who is absolutely convinced of this, though. Well, now, I'm convinced of it because Ed Rollins is convinced he will get it. Oh, well, <laughs> now there's, there's somebody a good point. Who is more wrong when it comes to political punditry than Ed Rollins. You know Ed Rollins, the not really conservative guy that they always pull out for CNN and that to go, look, we got a conservative here, too. He's 112. I cannot think of anybody who is less significant when it comes to predicting 
politics now than Ed Rollins. Ed Rollins was the 84 campaign manager, the national campaign manager for Ronald Reagan, which was successful. But dang, you were talking about Ronald Reagan against uh, uh, Walter Mondale at the time. Please. That was also 31 years ago. Right, exactly. Then, but in more recent times, I mean, he was the manager for Mike Huckabee. Who, I mean, Mike Huckabee has been <laughs> surging, leading the cause, has been a political force for... Oof. Yeah, Mike Huckabee's was even in 2008. That was seven years ago. And Rollins, you have no concept of what you're talking about this. Now, could Trump get it? Absolutely. But for anybody out there that's like, well, Ed Rollins is saying, you know, Donald Trump has a shot at this thing. That's not somebody you cite. Seriously. If anything, to cite that says Trump possibly has a chance, take a look at the poll numbers and stuff. Now, if we just said a couple months ago, in fact, when Trump announced his candidacy back in June, I was thinking the same thing in terms of, okay, this is going to be just an opportunity for Trump to promote himself again. Not going to be a legitimate shot, and he doesn't really have a chance. He's this reality star. He's brash. He's got a progressive democratic history. So he doesn't have a chance. But somehow, through, through some sort of means of connecting with people, he's been a force. We've uh, talked about this on our morning radio program. We're heard regularly Monday through Friday in the Blaze Radio Network. And what we've come up with is this. Skip and I like some of what Donald Trump says and does. And there's many uh, things that we don't like that he says and does. But the biggest problem with Donald Trump is he's not consistent and we can't count on him. We don't know what he is. And we've gotten it down to why people are supporting him. And that is simply because they're ready for anything else. This is what it's come down to. They think he is the best chance of doing something different in D.C. That's what we have. They can't count on anybody else. Let's go ahead and burn the bitch down. That, that's really what they're saying. My parents are as conservative as they get. My father, who could boil it down to voting just purely on abortion. I mean, it would be like that, is supporting Donald Trump. And I've said, <laughs> you know, at best, he's confusing on abortion. At best, he's flip-flopped on abortion. At worst, he supports abortion. And I was like, you know what? I see the only opportunity we have to, to get an outsider in there right now. My mom, when I asked her, she said, you know what? We're all pretty much doomed anyway, so I want somebody who'll stick it to D.C. for a while. <laughs> I was like, really? Burn the bitch down is what you're saying. That's, that's the attitude. Skip and I interviewed a veteran yesterday for another side project we're working on. The guy is Hispanic, um, which you would think is somebody who, oh, Donald Trump hates Hispanics, right? But he happens to be a little bit older, a senior, and he said he's supporting Trump. He's in the tank for it. Why? Immigration, of all things. So he's connecting with some things, some people, certain ideas, but I can't support him based on his track record. I need a little more consistency. Tell you what, Don, stick around another 10 years and prove to us that everything you did prior to you running for president was not really you, that you've truly had a change of, of heart and feeling, and you really believe these things you're saying now, and then maybe I could vote for you. Well, and my thoughts on Donald Trump are, are this. Yes, he does have a spotty past that is certainly of concern, although if he were to be president, I think he would actually do a, a decent job. And on those things that he needs to be conservative or Republican on, I think he would probably do fairly conservative Republican things. I don't think Donald Trump really cares too much about those issues, but he knows that he would need to play Republican, so he would probably do fairly Republican, fairly conservative things. He would do what his constituents and do what the GOP tells him to do. It's okay if you support Donald Trump. It's okay if you don't. Like I said, I like some of what he does, 
I don't hate the guy, but I also can't support him personally. He's not going to get my vote. He's just not the person for me. By the way, another reason how you know or should know that he's not going to get the nomination, Steve Schmidt has said, yeah, he's, uh, he's held that lead. He likely could do this. Steve Schmidt, who, who ran John McCain's campaign in 2008. How'd that work out, Steve? <laughs> Serious. Seriously. Think about what a flawed campaign John McCain ran in 2008. A horrible campaign. Now, Obama was running a tremendous campaign, and there was a huge Republican backlash. So, yeah, you had the deck stacked against you a little bit to begin with. But it was a horrible campaign. John looked old and tired and progressive and mean. You know why that is? Because he's old, old tired, tired, progressive, progressive and, and mean. mean. That's the type of well, guy he is. Back right. in 2000, I don't think anybody could have beaten, um, beaten a, a Barack Obama. He had, I mean, after eight years of George W. Bush, there was certainly a backlash against all that. Mm -hmm. I think pretty much any uh, progressive Democrat was going to win that. But Barack Obama came out with the hope and change message, was feeling st filling stadiums with people, and he had a message that resonated with the youth. He went after the youth. He, he harnessed social media and harnessed the Internet and harnessed uh, college campuses in a way that we've never seen a president do before, and that's what led to him. So I don't think anybody could have beaten him, but John McCain never had a chance. Yeah, I would say you're probably right about that. He didn't have a chance, but it still was not a great campaign. No, not at all. I mean, he reacted the entire time. Do you remember TARP? Do you remember they both raced back to D.C. to see who <laughs> yeah. could get there fastest to say, I support TARP? I mean, McCain could have been reasonable. He wanted to appear as the senior statesman there, and he just looked like, hey, I can run and catch him, too. Like, I'm going to... Do you remember that? No. That's actually a really good McCain impression, too, by the way. It's also a pretty good George W. Bush impersonation. That's true. the, uh, yeah, kind of do the same. <laughs> and you're, you're in for both of them. That's how it works there. Well, we want to hear your opinions as well on the Twitter. It's uh, at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Follow us along the way. Use the hashtag what I learned today and share your thoughts about Donald Trump at this point. These guys, right? They seeing something. Is Trump going to get this thing? Last night, Skip and I were here, uh, at the studio at uh, Mercury Radio Arts uh, Studios in, in Dallas when Glenn Beck was interviewing uh, Ted Cruz. And we got a different sense, a different feel for Ted Cruz uh, than I've gotten in the past. I think Ted has really opened up. I found out all kinds of things, which Glenn will share with you on, on his program about Ted that I didn't know. I had said early on to Skip, I said, conventional wisdom would say that Ted Cruz would likely, and again, this was six months ago, not end up getting the nomination. But I said, I had this odd gut feeling that the guy's going to do this thing. And I saw this interview, found out some information about fundraising and how he's running his campaign and that. And I was like, well, maybe he's, maybe he's going to do it. Well, and I, I don't think that at this point, or I mean, I, I think one of the things that Donald Trump has, has working against him is the fact that he's been the front runner for that long. I, I can't think of, of an election in which the person who's come out in the lead at the very beginning has been able to hold on to that lead. So where you want to be is in that uh, juicy, meaty center, being number two, number three, number four, and actually uh, having that continuing uh, 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 surge at the correct time, at the right time. Yeah, Ted's not getting beat up nearly as much because Donald Trump is the front runner. Donald Trump's not there. All of the energies of the people at MSNBC and others would be focused on Ted Cruz because he's the extreme one. Or at least that's how they see him. At this point, Donald Trump's the extreme one. So Ted does benefit as, from Donald being in the race. Absolutely. Maybe he's in a great spot. Absolutely. I hope he's in. that this is true. I hope this is right. A friend of mine told me the other day that he was talking to a well-known political pundit. I mean, really sharp guy, 
one that you would even say, wow, that guy really knows what he's talking about. I'm not at liberty to say because I promised my friend, and my friend had promised this person they, this would be off the record. Um, he said Ted Cruz is the one. He said Trump may be out by Thanksgiving, which that blows my mind to think Ted, uh, that uh, Trump could be out that soon. Yeah. That seems crazy at this well, point. Well, and I, I think that the only thing that would, uh, would, would derail him is if there is some sort of major uh, uh, problem that he has, a major foot-in-his-mouth moment, a major misstep, or the fact that maybe this has all just been a farce to begin with, like we had said back in June, mm. and that it's, it's, it's all meant to, uh, to deflect attention from another candidate. See, that seems unlikely. Just a, a stunt by him for this? I don't think so. I think he's serious about it. I think he really wants to be president in that. I don't think it's that. I mean, he, could, he does have that as the fallback, though. He could always do that. Let's say something starts breaking about him. He can always go, ah, I didn't want it anyway. I'm a reality I'm star. Reality Come star. on. That's what you I'm guys really doing. thought I was going to be president. <laughs> I'm Donald Trump. Really? Come on. Jokes on Look you. at my record. <laughs> right, right. That's what he could end up doing. Um, but out that quickly? No. Now, who is likely going to be out by Thanksgiving? I went on record on our morning radio program this morning and said... The Jeb Bush is done, folks. He is O-U-T-E gone. And he by the way, on that, can we just have a quick round of applause oh, yeah, absolutely. for, for uh, uh, Bush Let me just say this. Can, yes. can I say this about Jeb Bush being gone? Yeah, exactly. Thank hey, you. Hooray, hooray. That's Good a win job. for America. That's We're right. going to make America great again by getting Jeb Bush out of the election. Now, he hasn't dropped out yet. Don't think, hey, did I miss some news? No, I'm just telling you, he's going to be gone soon, very, very soon. The canary in the mine is that he started cutting his, uh, his uh, staff salaries. He's running out of cash. He's hurting. He's flying commercial again when he was jet-setting all around private. This is, where, this is where Jeb Bush is. And he raised a lot of money. Had, had huge donors. Mm -hmm. and many of the uh, establishment donors had Jeb on their cards early on. We're, we're you know, pumping you know, huge you know dollars. You know who they're backing now? They're putting their money. A lot of them are backing uh, Marco Rubio. That's where they're pouring the money. Marco Rubio is starting to surge because of some of that stuff, too. He's Not just in really supporters, but also in money. People are starting to back Marco Rubio once people like uh, Scott Walker dropped out. Mm -hmm. Once they drop out, it's like, okay, where am I going now? Marco Rubio looked real good the last uh, debate. That's what you're going to see. Um, so I feel pretty good today about that. There's, I, I see virtually no way short of a meteor hitting every other candidate this afternoon, <laughs> the earth opening up and swallowing them all for Jeb Bush to get the nomination. It's done. And for that by itself, I am having a pretty good day. Yeah. For that reason by itself, Pretty good day. Anything that stops that knucklehead, great. That's a win for me. That's at least one. And that's how we have to look at this thing. If you're tired of feeling bad about this stuff, start taking the victories where you get them. Is there a lot of people you... Let me ask you. Are there more people you dislike that are running for president than like? Uh, there's more people I dislike, yeah. Okay. Most of them are going to lose. And that's great. I and mean, seriously, you know, I mean, even if you get somebody you don't like in there, at least you didn't get all of those goofs. Exactly. Because there's a lot of bad right now in the GOP field. There's a lot of bad out there. And it's, it's, it's sad, too. It seems like with all the people in the country, with all the people who could potentially run for mm -hmm. president, the, uh, the 16 at this point people who are in it, I keep thinking 15, to myself, no, 15, is it 15? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I see, up there, when I see those, those people up on stage or take a look at some of the polls, I'm like, really, of all the people in this country, all the great minds in this country, these are the people we have to pick from? I can't believe, and Skip and I were off, uh, off the air last week when the Democrat debate happened. I cannot believe how bad these people looked on TV, how much bad advice they got from their campaign people. Somebody needs to tell Jeb, J uh, Jim Webb, buy a bigger shirt. Lincoln Chafee, seriously, a little product in your hair. Martin O'Malley, stop talking like this with everything you do and 
Stop. Knock it off. This is 101 when you're on stage. Nobody thought to tell uh, uh, Jim Webb the whole time, Jim, right here, it's a little too tight, buddy. Not one person? Those people need to be fired. They're not ready for prime time, man. Seriously. It's, uh, it's looking pretty bad for them. So I feel pretty good about that. No, that's good. Yeah, it's definitely good. I mean, early on, too, in this election, too, it, uh, it seemed rough. And especially while Trump had been rocketing <laughs> the top, nobody else seemed to really have a chance early on in this thing. Finally, things seem to be calming down. And hopefully we'll go and go and get to a place probably by Thanksgiving where we have a much better idea who it's going to be. And it's probably going to be a decent candidate. Uh, Chris Wallace from Fox News said, as I watched the interview and I heard what he had to say, I'm beginning to believe that he, Donald Trump, could be elected president of the United States. Not just nomination, but elected president. You know what? There is one thing that keeps bringing me back that maybe he has a shot at this thing. And that, that is because America is so lost right now. There are so many stupid people. We like this cult of personality. Maybe this is the ultimate idiocracy moment where we say, wow, Donald Trump, the President Camacho of our time. That this is, this is the time we look back in history and people go, That's what, what were they thinking? And then after that, people start wising up, wow, we've been making some really bad choices based on personality and, and who we know in public as a celebrity versus issues, versus policy, versus what's actually going to do some good. And again, I think a lot of that comes from this uh, scorched earth kind of policy that I think that Donald Trump comes with. I think, you know what, fine, I don't think Trump's going to be a good president, but they, he's going to be the one to stick it to D.C. And more so than anybody out there, too, Donald Trump is the one who's going to, who would mix things up and really uh, make D.C. pay for their, for their pains and their failures in the past. And there's a lot of people who just that message will resonate with. They are so sick and tired of the, of the B.S. that we've seen out of D.C. for the past 30 years. You know the nice thing about uh, President Trump, though? What's we that? will not have to build the monuments to him. I'll build them we'll, himself. He'll build himself. He'll just... Uh, <laughs> he'll and, and by the way, you won't have to wait 100 years for those. Mm -mm. Day one, D.C., they start construction of the President Trump Memorial. or Well, it wouldn't be a memorial to be getting. Well, they can start breaking ground now. Least, yeah. Unveil it, cut it at the time. Yeah. Well, and too, he probably would put up a nice big uh, uh, wall along mm -hmm. the border. I mean, it'd be, it'd be the Trump wall. The Trump wall. Just but, say you know, Trump every... Be tall. You know how, like, in the NFL now, when uh, people are doing interviews and behind them, it says, like, Tyson and then the team name mm -hmm. or whoever's sponsoring. There's one sponsor every like this. That's what the wall in Mexico would look like. Uh, Trump, Trump. Imagine big, big LED screens, mm -hmm. too, flashing mm -hmm. Trump over and over again. Yeah. That's good times. Trump good Towers, times. you know, advertising the golf courses. We'll get some of your calls coming up. It's uh, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Those are coming up. Don't forget to tweet at us at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Doc and Skip in for Pat and Steele. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, 
I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Doc Thompson at Skip LeCall and Pinch Hitting for Pat and Stu today. Thanks so much for joining us. So, we had some wildfires in California because wildfires happen a lot in California. But that didn't stop Jerry Brown, the governor, which, quick sidebar, why is Jerry Brown governor? Seriously, California, what is going on? Even if you're a progressive, this is your guy, Jerry Brown, Governor Moonbeam? Seriously. Have you learned nothing? I know. There's nobody else in California that could be governor? Wow, is that absolutely crazy. Anyway, so Jerry Brown comes out and says, you know, it's wildfires. It's, uh, it's climate change. It's climate change, which, you know, really isn't wrong because it's the heat of the fire. It, it does it, make it warmer. It does. It the, changes the, the climate, climate quite a bit. It changes when it's, mm -hmm. on, when it's on fire. It does. Yeah. Now, caused by climate change, no, 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 Jerry, that's wrong. Sorry. That is absolutely wrong. That is a, what's the word I'm looking for, Skip? It's, uh, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. That's the word I was looking for. It is, yeah. It's wrong, Jerry. It's not. In fact, they're actually doing damage by not allowing wildfires to rage on at times. Now, they don't because there's people in the neighborhood or uh, people nearby. Houses and Houses, they want to protect that stuff. Okay, I get some of that stuff. That's fine. People shouldn't be building that close to this stuff then. But it's so pretty, Doc, when your house is up in the woods like that. It's just yeah. so pretty. It's not as pretty when it burns to the ground no. and you're standing there in the ashes. But apparently the guy who is an expert on the climate and wants to protect the environment does not understand basics of, of the environment and how this works. This is a cycle. Fires happen in order to clear parts of the forest out. This is what happens. There are even some trees that are designed to, like uh, the pine cones, for example, some pine cones designed to drop with extreme heat of a fire. So they will plant the next generation of trees. This is how this works. How does Jerry Brown stand up there and say this? Does he not know, Skip, please, a guy that is supposed to the environment, he's got to know this stuff, right? Well, you would think so. And here's the deal. I think he's actually doing damage to the position of, of, of those who support climate change. Because even when he comes out and says stuff like this, that, oh, the wildfires are caused by climate change, those scientists who support climate change even come out and say, well... Wait a second. No, no, that's not the case. So you're actually making yourself look crazy the same way that they try to make conservatives who take a look and say, well, no, you take a look at the numbers, you take out numbers that actually don't affect your cause, and it hurts your case. You're making yourselves look crazy. So does he know or doesn't he know? Um, if he doesn't know, wow, seriously. And if he does know, then this shows that his agenda trumps facts, I can make, I can make an argument for, for either case. Either he does know or he doesn't know. Um, I mean, you can flip a coin and go ahead and make a decision on that. But yeah, like I said, they're actually hurting their own cause with that. And Jerry, 
He's just an idiot. Let's just. Here's what. It, it, by the way, Jerry, if I'm wrong, you're welcome to come in here and join us. Anytime you want. <clears throat> it's or, open. We'll interview you anytime. You can run our morning radio program. Get, get, or even give us a call. 888-727-BECK. Jerry, we're here. Tell us how we're wrong. I will debate you on this and anything, anywhere, anytime. Tell me. Name it, Jerry. Go. This is, what, this is the challenge I present to these people, and you never hear from them. Because that's not what they want. They're not looking for facts. They're not looking for truth. They're not looking to tell you these things. That's not a part of it at all. It's just me, 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 in order to push an agenda. And there's going to be a lot of dumb people out there. First of all, the people in the tank firms going, right on, Jerry, they don't care if he's right or wrong, as long as he's talking about climate change. Then you've got a handful of people in the middle that are like, I didn't realize that. You're right. I have seen a lot of fires, and fires are bad. So, okay, fine. And it's really easy to brainwash those people when you know that the generations come up, coming up have been brainwashed for years by public schools when it comes to the environment and also the media. Do you remember Captain Planet? <laughs> Captain, <laughs> this is your superhero, Captain Planet, a green superhero. Wow, what a fail that was. Well, from my perspective, from somebody who liked the superhero movies and comic books, that was a fail. But from the Green Agenda people, success. Kids started watching this stuff, and they bought into this crap. I remember in the 70s, I don't know if uh, any of you remember watching the Super Friends in the 70s. Yeah, the Super Friends, and then you went to the Legion of Doom Super Friends. Well, the early ones, all of the bad guys were polluters. All of the bad guys had to do with pollution. When it was just Superman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Batman and Robin. All right, now you're going to nerd out Wendy on comic and, books for a while. So no, Wendy and Marvin, they were there. It was all about people who polluted. So it started way back, even with my generation. My son, uh, one of my sons, is 13. And I don't get to see him as much as I would want. He lives with his mom. And we talk when I see him, and I ask him what's going on in school and, you know, what are you learning? And I've been pretty successful at staving off all of the crazy stuff that he's learning in public school. And I'm like, that's, that's not accurate. And I challenge him, and we learn stuff, and we talk about this stuff. But the one area that I have trouble with is climate change. It is so insidious. They have worked on this at such basic levels, and it's just taught as science. And he regurgitates this stuff that I've had to say, wait a minute, that's not right. And he'll as well, you know, and he tries to add what he's learned or whatever. And without trying to beat him up on the stuff, I just let him speak. And then I go, what temperature is the planet supposed to be? And I throw out these simple questions that we've talked about many times. And finally, he's like, oh, I never thought about that. But it, it's, it's a real chore. I mean, I have to work this stuff. That's how successful they've been, Skip. Well, and the, and the sad thing about this, too, and particularly with schools and with politicians, is that, I mean, people grow up thinking that, well, you know, the politicians aren't going to lie to us. The, the politicians are going to tell us the truth. And when you're in school, well, yeah, my teacher knows what they're talking about. So, mm -hmm. so it's insidious in that, that they actually go and believe. That's why people like Jerry Brown coming out, too, and people buy into this crap, because they think, well, the governor's not going to lie. The governor knows. He's got experts. He's got scientists. He knows. How many stories have we seen over the years where a parent goes, wait a minute, what are, what are they teaching my kid? What are, what are they learning here? How many times have we seen it and no teacher knew or uh, no parent knew about it? It just so happened the kid brought it home, the parent found out about it. We see those all the time, right? And then the parents make a big stink about stuff. Sometimes they get a change, sometimes they don't. We see those all the time. And one of the How many times 
does that happen that the parents don't find out? How many little things are teachers saying in school? You're not in your kids' classes. You don't see this stuff. You're not there the entire classes. You don't know the little remarks, the little things that are made, the little example a teacher says that a, kid, that a student, a pupil, doesn't even think to tell you about that is the subtle brainwashing when it comes to stuff like climate change. Oh, and the best advice I can provide in terms of a trigger warning to go ahead and know when these people are lying to you is when they say the science is settled. They say the science is settled, that means that it's agenda-driven. Because you know what, back in the 1700s, oh, the science was settled that the world is, is flat. <laughs> science is always up for debate. That's what's great about science and hypotheses. It's hypothesis. never settled. No, it's never settled. So anytime they say, well, the science is settled, come on, there's no need to even argue or debate this. There's something else going on. Anytime nobody wants to have a debate about science, there you know it's a problem. That should be your trigger warning. Well, and it's half of the so-called scientists out there, the ones that are telling you it's settled, that we don't have to have this discussion anymore. Then you are not a scientist. I'm sorry. You are an agendist. It's just... What is science? Sometimes you are successful when you, when you uh, end up disproving your hypothesis. You've still been successful at saying, okay, I was wrong. You still learn something. It may not be the end of it, but you still... They simply say, here's what I want to happen, and then they work to get that proved. Fudging the numbers, as we've seen. That's not science. But these are the people that are telling us they're scientists. How, did, how is that acceptable? Well, and even with things like climate change, too, take a look at environmental models of how the world is expected to be and predicted to be, or take a look at temperature readings only on Earth, too, and completely discount temperature readings from things like satellites, or take a look at satellite photos of uh, the Arctic or Antarctic and, and say, well, the ice is going away here, while well, not realizing, well, the ice is growing here. They'll discount what doesn't go and in, uh, play into their own narrative just to go ahead and play and, uh, and, and uh, advance their own agenda. I mean, he, he dated Linda Ronstadt. Seriously. I mean, I mean know, if there's that's, Now, granted, it was younger, more attractive Linda Ronstadt, but that still doesn't deal with crazy, right? I mean, okay, you're attractive, but you're dating crazy. You got the crazy eyes, man. I, this is who you're dating? I've dated crazy. It's not worth it. Man. No, it's, it's not. Just, it's it's absolutely not, not. I mean, you think it's fun for a while. You're going to pay for it one way or the other. So I'm talking about Governor Moonbeam. You know, that's what he dated, right, back in the day? Crazy. The crazy eyes. Yeah. But looking around like this? Absolutely. All right, so if you've ever been frustrated by Michelle Obama's little campaign to control what your kids eat, not having you in the mix whatsoever, her school food agenda. Oh, we've got a great story coming up. One you are absolutely going to love. We'll give you details coming up on Patent Still. Hi, it's Doc and Skip, pinch hitting for Pat and Stu today. Thanks so much for joining us. We could use your help with uh, something else as well. Skip and I are powerfully offended and upset and aggravated and frustrated at the Veterans Administration, as you should be, and I'm sure you probably have been over the years, with the constant failures and the veterans who are dying. Some of the statistics show that as many as 70 veterans kill themselves every day. 
A lot of the statistics we get will tell you about 22 a day. Based on some of the information we found, it could be up to 70 veterans actually succeed in killing themselves each and every day. That doesn't take into account the ones who try and fail. This is an epidemic in America. Each and every time somebody shoots up a school and a handful of people die, the administration and other progressives melt down. Now, when these things happen, of course, we should be concerned, should offer our sympathy and see if we can do something to stop school shootings or other shootings. But they melt down when this happens, over a handful of people dying. Meanwhile, veterans who served America are committing suicide at at least, based on the VA numbers, 22 each and every day. That means every day more people are killed, kill themselves, veterans die, than people who are shot in any one of these or most of these mass shootings. And they don't care about this stuff. Well, we're frustrated by that. We're tired of that. We're tired of the failures of the VA and the wait list and the way veterans are treated. And we decided the only way to change things is if we change things. So Skip and I are going to launch a campaign to help veterans. Help veterans. I hate that term, help veterans, because veterans don't need our help. They need what, was, what they've earned, what was contractually and morally promised to them. They've earned these benefits, and they should be getting them. So we're going to do everything we can to set that wrong right. So we're going to launch an entire campaign to do that, and it may take us years, but we are committed for the long haul to get it done. As part of the campaign, starting on Veterans Day, November 11th, we are going to roll out on a regular basis, probably weekly, mini documentaries. We're going to do one big one, but this we want to be a slow drip, a slow leak, constantly keeping this story in the news. We're going to need your help in a couple of ways. First of all, when we kick this off in a couple of weeks, if you would, please get behind it and share these videos when you see them with as many people as possible. Because when we tell the individual stories of the vets who are hurting, who are died, they're no longer numbers. Suddenly, America is forced to realize that each and every one of these is a person who has a family and a life and friends, people who care about them, people who served America. Each and every one of them is somebody. It's not a statistic or a number. As soon as that happens, we're going to begin to change things. So that's the first thing. Also, if you're a veteran or a whistleblower or a doctor, somebody that has something to add, please let us know. We need to interview you for these documentaries. So please email skip at theblaze.com, and Skip will field all these. Skip and I are not going to make any money off of this. It's not a money-making venture. In fact, we're losing money on it. We're driving all over America and flying sometimes to interview veterans at a loss. But this is something we have to do. We're not looking for your money. We're looking for your support. And please tell your story. Skip at theblaze.com. Uh, these will end up, uh, at least the beginning of the campaign, will start at our website where we clear a bunch of um, uh, video that we produce. Olavo.us. O-L-A-V-O.us. Five letters. Olavo.us. All right, let's get to some calls. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. Let's go to California. And Beth, how are you? Good morning. Hi, Beth. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing good. How are you? Great, great. Please don't give up on us in California. Many of us <laughs> wonder how in the world Jerry Brown got reelected or elected for another set of terms. We're just <laughs> right. stunned. Um, it, it's it's mind-boggling, especially those of us that remember uh, his first two terms in office. Isn't that? It, it, I couldn't believe when when he announced he was running. I was like, wow, like, come on, like, he really has a shot. And then all of a sudden, he's governor. It, it, it was truly amazing. Um, it had to have come from the youth. 
uh, true, at, the, at the college level, that's where the, the votes had to have come from. And these are the same people that have been conned into believing in climate change. Yeah, and you know what? Climate change is one of those things. I mean, look at the president. He's come out and said uh, climate change is the biggest issue. I'm paraphrasing here, but like the, the most significant challenge or, or uh, uh, threat to America. Um, others have said that, too. Martin O'Malley is absolutely like that as well. That shows how off they are. But it's a really easy one, Beth, to tell the youth something they, they feel like they can actually get behind and do something. I mean, most, most kids out there, if you go, hey, ISIS is a real problem, and we're able to get them concerned about ISIS, they don't feel like they can do anything. But climate change, sure. I'll right, exactly. And, and it's all politically motivated. Um, I believe that the biggest frustration to um, the political organizations, the, the liberals and the progressive, is keeping the fraud of climate change, change plausible. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, I, and you I know what time? That, uh, that, that is their agenda. If to we, and all we have to do, though, Beth, is stave, all we have to do is stave this off because time is our, is our ally in this. Because Absolutely. another 10 years, another 20 years, and you go, guys, what happened to all that crap you said that was going to happen, right? Well, and I think it's an oh, easy thing to sell, out, too, uh, for My husband and I have a small cow, cow operation, and um, climate change, is, is, it, just, it, it doesn't exist. Everything's cyclical. We know no one within our industry that believes in it. it. There's no evidence to support it. In California, we have a drought. It is not a historic drought. It is a man-made drought brought on by very poor water management. That's a, that's a great point, Beth. That is a tremendous point. And you know what? Even droughts, they happen. Does, people forgot about the Dust Bowl. Right. You know? I mean, no, these things happen. absolutely. And, and here in the agricultural industry, we're, we're being monitored, and we have to throttle back our water use. We don't use even close to the amount of water that the, um, the computer industry uses, that the electronics industry uses oh, yeah. for their cooling, for their processing. Our water is used and goes back into the ground in the form of uh, irrigation or um, the, the cows process it and then they urinate and some of that goes back into the ground sure. and it's naturally filtered. That's not the case with the computer and the electronics industry. A lot of it can't go back into the ground. Why aren't they pumping it in from the sea? Not necessarily through desalinization, but why aren't they bringing in salt water to then um, filter through the plants to cool everything that needs to be cooled instead of using drinkable groundwater. That's a great point. But even the desalinization, they could certainly pull that off at this point, right? Oh, heavens to best see, right. yes. You I bet mean, they could. I mean, it, it does use quite a bit of electricity, but at this point, you know, why not? Well, especially well if... I'm sure that they could find a way for it to make its own electricity. Mm -hmm. I just I think that there's enough brain power here to do that. No, and especially, too, I mean, they would be able to figure out a way of it, but this, this climate change narrative has been something that's been so easy for them to push and buy into. All you have to do is show beautiful scenery all across the country, play some soft piano music behind it, and be, do you want our beautiful America to go away? <laughs> right, right. And these starry-eyed millennials will look at I that don't. and be like, my goodness, You're look, right. look how beautiful that is. Oh, all I have to do is drive a Prius and we can keep <laughs> it green. Yep. No, but it's so well, easy right. to sell. And where does that electricity come from for I, the Prius? I know, I know, these knuckleheads. You know, here in California, we're not having to suck in those coal fumes, but in economically challenged areas in Tennessee, they're running around with um, issues because they're having to suck in the, the 
the debris from uh, the coal being burned for our Priuses. Now, I have no problem, by the way, with coal being burned for electricity. It's part of the, the process. Sure. But it blows my mind that we are raising a group of people that cannot fathom to think for themselves. And don't get me going on Common Core. You know what, Beth, <laughs> and thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. Um, I would say you could probably sum up what you said when you said about we're raising a generation of idiots. That's yeah, just a better yeah. way to say it. No, honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. You're um, welcome. You know, here's, here's an easy, again, when I was to challenge my son on some thoughts. The Dust Bowl of the 1930s was horrible. I mean, it wrecked the country. I mean, you just could not grow stuff in huge parts of America that we rely on now to grow stuff. You just couldn't grow. It was a Dust Bowl. Things did not grow. The crops blew away. There was not the, uh, the, the wet soil to anchor the stuff. It was just one big dust cyclone, basically. Skip, that was in the 1930s. Was there more industrial pollution in the 1930s in America, stuff being spewed into the air, or now? Without a doubt now. To, a, to, to the tune of thousands. No, no, no. Back then, because you were going through the Industrial Revolution, oh, yeah, is yeah, when. Yeah. Oh. You had all the factories that were spewing this stuff no, no. out and had been for 30 years. More pollutants, more factories, or now, where we have less manufacturing and more controls. Oh, and more uh, greener ways to manufacture. And greener course, ways, yeah. too, that, that, right, that they say with less pollutants and everything else. Without question, there were more pollutants back then, right? Without question. So did that cause it? Is that, is that what caused the dust, the, the dust Bowl? Okay, if that's what caused the Dust Bowl, then how come you're coming at us now? We haven't seen a Dust Bowl. We haven't seen anything like that. Is the drought in California? Where, where are the factories that are producing this stuff? See, they will not add this stuff up. You can't have it both ways, guys. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. All right, uh, get your uh, tweets in, at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. Apparently, we have an answer as to what this is. Do we know that this is, is legit now? I, I believe so. Now, I have not independently researched this, but this is something that Doc and I have been looking at for the past four years, and we may have finally, finally found an answer. Now, we know what this, what this means. It's celebratory. We know, hooray, yes, I did it, or success. I, I get that. So we know that. But we want to know the origin of it. Where does it come from? And more importantly, what is it called? We, can't, we were trying to look it up, and what do you do? Hands clenched. Rays celebrating. We can't find a name for it, but we think maybe we have based on the tweets. We'll get to those coming up. Don't forget to follow at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. We'll get to those coming up. You're absolutely going to love this. See, over the next uh, few years and then beyond, we're going to get more and more examples of how wrong President Obama has been on all these things we talk about. We knew it. We predicted it when he was trying to get things passed and done. And we say, that's not going to work out. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. They did it anyways. And we said, hey, this is going to be bad. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. And now he's been president long enough that some of the early things that he has pushed through are starting to fail.
and we have proof of these things. For example, Michelle Obama's school lunch program, where they mandated all of these big centralized D.C. government rules and regulations on your local school district that says what your children can and can't eat. Now, I don't care if you think that kids should eat a certain thing or shouldn't eat other things. If your community says, hey, we want kids to only eat kumquats every day, then that's your community, and you should be able to have that in your schools. You should have that local control. It should not be D.C., but now we have proof of what a failure it's been. Over the last couple of years, we've seen stories of kids that are just throwing food away. They're not eating. Well, first of all, if you see what they're eating quite often, horrible. It's, I mean, it may be technically nutritious, based on what they're saying, but it's not enough food, and it's certainly not food I or you would prefer to eat. It's bad. So the kids throw the stuff away, and they end up going hungry quite often. They'll pack their lunch where they can. Even some schools say there's certain things they can't bring to school in their lunches. But now we see the failures of the numbers as well. School districts are being hammered because they're not having people buy the lunches. So they're starting to take a loss. It becomes a fiscal issue, a fiscal problem with them. Because they still have to produce that amount of food, so it just ends up going into the landfill. It goes thrown right into the trash. They have to make sure they provide food for X number of students, even though X number of students are no longer buying said food. Now, the government gives them subsidies to take care of some of this stuff. And that's what they do. They, a typical D.C., they dangle the subsidies in front of you. Well, if you want the money from D.C., then you've got to do this, this, and this. They did that to us for years with the national speed limit of 55. I mean, you could have had a different speed limit in your state, but then you wouldn't get this money for your roads. That's what they do. Well, that's basically what they've done when it comes to the school lunches. And now some of them are opting out because it's a better deal for them. Bozeman, Montana, a school district said, listen, we had so few people buying lunches, we're getting hammered by this. Then the kids throw the stuff away anyway. It's not good for the kids. So they opted out of the subsidies that were dangled in front of them. Losing $117,000. That's a lot of money for a school district to take it on the chin. Losing $100,000 for just school lunches? And guess what? So far, already this year, it has paid off by not taking those subsidies and offering food that kids actually want to eat. Because it's way up. Uh, it's I 54%, no, a 48% jump this year already in the number of lunches that kids are eating. That's $54,000 to the bottom line of this school district. Now, if your school district out there could find a way to make an extra $54,000 and provide more food to the students, how is that not a benefit to everybody? Right. I mean, it, first of all, the kids are eating healthier because otherwise they're throwing the stuff away or you've got to pack their lunch every day when maybe that's not feasible for you. There's some people that get free or reduced lunches, so to pack it would be potentially more expensive. Everybody's lost on this program. The school districts have lost. The kids have lost on this thing. Every, parents, everybody loses. And now we're starting to see it. We're starting to get the fruits of their efforts. And it is not good. So it's awesome to see the numbers now. You're going to see more and more of that stuff, not just with the school lunches, but I love it. I'm tired of the food police coming in and telling us what we can and can't eat. It's none of their business in D.C. This is not what D.C. is supposed to do. The federal government was not started by the states so it could mandate what your kids can and can't eat. That's not a part of it. We're going to get this thing back on track, and the best way that 
we'll probably end up getting it back on track with all of this craziness is when we can cite examples like this. We need to shine a light on stories like this at a Bozeman High School, too. The, uh, the Bob Burroughs, who's the food service director, says traffic is way up. They have over 1,000 customers a day, and just based off of that, that's almost double what they've been getting before. So really interesting to see. Coming up next, we'll explain what this is with your tweets, at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip LaCole. We're in for Pat and Stu. I'm not sure. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just, I would just say more. It's well, okay. There, care more. I would say they don't. Audience. I would just okay. think there'd be a greater commitment to the audience. I, mean, I, I just saw Pat in, next door, in the in the room next door to the studio. Wow, really? I'm just saying, you know, you're here. You know, I don't. I thought they were on like on vacation or leaving something. I mean, so you're in the building. They decided know. to go ahead and come in and do the Glenn Beck radio program this I'm morning. Just saying, you know. I mean, I understand they had like another shoot or something, but I didn't see that. I or mean, if, he, if he just had his feet up on Jeffy's desk. They're busy. I mean, maybe they actually had something, something that they had here. to do. Which is fine. I mean, we're happy to be here. I just, you know, I was a little shocked by that, but you know. I, Family commitment even would make sense. Hey, far be it for me to judge. I'm just a little confused. That's all I'm saying. We're, we're happy to spend time with the wonderful Absolutely. Pat and Stu audience here at the Blaze TV. Though. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Doc Thompson along with Skip Lacombe. We're regularly heard on the Blaze Radio Network. Check us out at theblaze.com slash doc. Theblaze.com slash doc. It's doc and Skip. Is you can do either one, but Doc's just so much easier. Doc, it's and, just, doc uh, and Skip is three the letters the instead name of the, the show extra is doc and Skip. And skip one. You don't need those. So it's theblaze.com slash doc. And Skip. Uh, Bernie Sanders was on with uh, Bill Maher. It's, uh, wow, it's really difficult to tell them apart. I mean, Bill, Bill is moving in that direction. He sounds a little... Give, I was, give Bill Maher a couple years. He loses a little more hair. Well, I don't, I don't, Ideologically, they're virtually the same. I was going to say, though, I mean, in fairness, I mean, Bernie's got like 100 years on Bill. He does, he does. But give him a few more years. He's definitely moving in that direction. In fact, I'd say in another 10 years, he's going to challenge uh, Larry David at doing the best. <laughs> Bernie Sanders impersonation. They've both been pickling themselves for the past 70 years. Yes, yes, they have. Absolutely. I want to play a couple of clips with you from, uh, what the hell is that show so called? It's Real Time. Real Time on HBO. Whatever. It's Bill Maher's program on HBO. It used to be politically incorrect until he was too politically, politically incorrect. Politically incorrect that they had to boot him, which is kind of odd. Anyways. Now he's back for Real Time. Real Time. Uh, so they were talking about socialism, trying to define these things. And apparently Bernie Sanders is going to sometime soon, I believe this week, is going to offer up some speech to America on his democratic socialism to define this, to explain it to people. Now, Bernie Sanders has to do this at some point. If he wants to be elected president, he probably has to do this at some point. Of course, the starry-eyed, ideological youth or whatever that don't understand these things, that live through these things, that don't know history, they're going to be in the tank for him when he says, hey, free stuff, and we need fair, and all of these lofty goals which we know the truth about. That they're just not obtainable. They're going to be in the tank for him. But he's going to need some of those people in the middle, some of those people in the middle that are like, socialism, wait a minute, I've always heard that's bad, right? 
He needs to explain it to him. And this could be the turning point for Bernie Sanders, either good or bad. This could, years later, we could look back at this and go, wow, uh, that was the speech that got him elected president. Or, wow, that's the thing that deep-sixed his campaign. He would not be doing this if they didn't think they had to. He know that word keeps coming up. He has to do it. So he's going to go ahead and do this. And he started with, with Bill Maher. Watch this. My question to you, I guess, is the word socialist. I want to get right to this because I want to help your campaign. I want to see you get the nomination. I want to see you get the nomination. We have to not, de- we have to teach Americans yeah. what this is. We do. And I, I don't know if we're doing that yet. Okay. I, I don't think most Americans realize they're already socialists. In certain respects. Okay. Let's start off with what it is not what we want to change. We want to deal with the grotesque level of income and wealth inequality in America. Mm-hmm. Very few people think it is acceptable or moral that the top one tenth of one percent owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90%. That we have seen a proliferate... But see, Bernie, you always say that, and I I think even the the Republicans are not for income inequality. They hear that, but it doesn't compute that that's going to be solved by socialism. So, defining socialism. First of all, Bill Maher, I want to see you be elected president. Just throw it out there. (laughs) Bill Maher. And then says, socialism, we just got to teach people what it really means. You know, they don't understand how wonderful it is. Listen, listen. The idea of socialism is actually pretty interesting. It would probably be pretty cool. It's not the idea of socialism. I mean, with the idea of everybody working hard and everybody sharing equally in the spoils, right? You work hard, Skip works hard, I work hard. We all get an equal share and we all have plenty Wow, that's actually pretty cool. Great. On, on paper, it sounds Let's fantastic. Do it. Let's get it done. Until you recognize that it's not possible. It is absolutely not possible. And as proof, I offer to you the world, history, all of it will not work, cannot work, has not worked. In fact, socialism has never even ended up happening. It starts off with that, and where does it go? To many of its evil spawns. Communism, fascism, Nazism, any of these things, that's where it ends up. It always has. Is Bill Maher that naive or that arrogant? Is he naive to the history of the world, or does he believe like they all believed in the past, that this time it can be different. Is that it? Without a doubt, it's his arrogance. I don't think he's that naive. I mean, Bill Maher, I actually think, is a fairly intelligent guy. Sure. I mean, he's sure. well-read. I mean, he, he, he knows what he's talking about. But again, I think it's that arrogance. He believes that, you know, we're America. We're going to be able to do it better than anybody else. These failed experiments in socialism in the past are just that, failed experiments, because they didn't do it right. But, you know, with America and American ingenuity, I, do believe, I don't think Bill Maher hates America. No, absolutely. I, I think, think he, he does. just thinks we can do it better than anybody else. Else. And he's wrong. We can't. Because at the end of the day, many people are lazy. You're not going to go ahead and get people all working out there, all contributing to the same thing. That utopian society he believes we're going to be able to create will never, ever happen. It so, can't. So why do they believe, why would they believe they can do it differently? What, what, what would make them say, well, we can do it differently this time? What are they going to do? What would, I would, if Bernie was willing to, to sit down with us, but he won't, because he's a big puss. 
If Bernie was willing to sit down with us, I would say, Bernie, what are you going to do differently? Show me how it'll work this time. What, are you going to cite other countries? Because he loves to do that. Loves to cite the other countries. Those are failures. Those aren't legit. And I'll share with them those statistics and, and facts and figures. I mean, if Bernie's around, grab your old rotary phone and dial triple eight seven two seven back. Please, please, yes. He does not have a rotary phone like that. Please, no. Hello, Sarah. Give me Mount Pilot. Connect me with Doc Thompson. <laughs> Operator, give me Delta 86. Delta 86, please come in. No, but again, too, I mean, it will never end up being, being viable. As, as a solution, socialism just doesn't work. And it isn't that these other countries have failed and done it incorrectly or had failed experiments. It's that the idea behind it itself doesn't work. And again, it sounds awesome on paper, but it will never, ever work. You know the biggest failure? It starts, I mean, we, we assume all of these things when you talk about socialism. If these things were to happen, wouldn't it be great? That's what we say. Wouldn't it be awesome? And yeah, again, we all work hard, we all share in the spoils, and we all have plenty. That's great. Do you know how many ifs there are with that? If we all worked hard. <laughs> really? Everyone's going to work hard? They're going to work the same? No. If we all shared equally. We're going to share equally? How did that work out for communist countries in the past? Do they share equally in North Korea right now? Do they share equally in Iran right now? Absolutely not. They don't share equally. And would it be great if we all had plenty? What makes you think that if we redistributed all of that wealth that Bernie talks about with the top 1% of the 1% or whatever it is, what makes you think you would actually end up with more? I don't know. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. But why is that assumed, Skip? Let's divide that by people of the world, because the Bernie Sanders out there, they don't just want socialism in America. They want this one world order, socialism across the board. Because Bernie's not talking about the top 1% of the 1% in America. He talks about the top 1% of the world, right? That's what they always bring up. Look at the wealth inequality of people around the world. And if that's the case, why wouldn't we redistribute it to the 7 billion people? around the world? What does that equal out to? Are you getting a raise? Maybe not. Maybe you would. I would like to think that with so many people in object poverty, places like North Korea, the Middle East, Africa, that they likely are going to get a big chunk of that and may end up taking part of yours. Why do we assume everybody would have more? There's so many ifs with this. So Bernie, answer these things. Lay it out for me. Come on here. See, and what America did 237 years ago is an experiment in capitalism, where if you work hard, you can attain the most amazing spoils. So if there really is this idea that, well, everybody's going to go ahead and work hard, why is not everybody in America rich? Why is not everybody being able to take advantage of this amazing system? When if you do, come up with a good idea, market it, and you can have untold riches of America. The idea is just not there. Some people are just not willing to put in the work. Let's look at it this way, too. Why do we assume that everybody wants the same things and wants to work for those same things? So let's assume under Bernie's perfect world of socialism that there is a set amount of work we have to do and a set amount of income you will have for that. The set amount of work. Here it is. This is what you have to do. Well, I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to work that hard. Well, with capitalism, you don't have to. You may not want those same things. How many people do you know that say, I mean, I could work harder and have a bunch of stuff, but I'm cool with this amount. 
Well, a lot of people are content making $40,000 a year, having a nice small house with their uh, uh, 2.5 kids, a nice uh, wife, go on a vacation a year maybe too. You're never going to be driving the Maserati. You're never going to be having the mansion. But you know what? That's okay. And that's fine if that's what you want. You can do that with capitalism. But we keep going down with these experiments with socialism and communism, what always invariably happens. So the, the progressives like Bernie Sanders say, well, money isn't everything. That's not important. Well, then why do you keep harping on what some people have? It's all crap. That's, a, that's the bottom line here. As a the, senator who makes $179,000 a year. Right. It's all crap. That's the dirty little secret. It is absolutely about money, and it's not about money so Bernie Sanders and the other socialists out there can give of what they have to take care of the poor. It's not about that. It's about Bernie Sanders getting money. It's about Bill Maher having money. That's what it's really about. The people that preach socialism, they want to pretend that it's altruistic, that we're going to give this and help the masses. Bernie Sanders could be helping some of the masses today. He could have been helping him for the last 50 years. Bernie Sanders, you make $170,000 a year. How much do you need to live on? What do you need? I mean, I recognize you're buying the pens and a bunch of old people stuff. That's fine. But beyond that, how much do you really need to live? To survive, Bernie Sanders... And you could be giving the rest of that tens of thousands of dollars to people around the globe. Bill Maher likely, I'm assuming, makes millions of dollars and has millions of dollars. How come you haven't given it away? Michael Moore is a fat socialist. Really? He hasn't redistributed his food on his own. It's all crap. It's all a lie. It's not about helping people. It's another form of getting See, you and I say this, if you work hard, you're willing to put in the time and effort, you likely can go out and make your own way, or at least you used to be able to in America. You work hard and you can get stuff. You will get about what you end up putting into it with work. Some people get a little luckier or not. And we say, hey, if I want more, I'll go and work harder. That's, that's our plan. Bernie Sanders' plan is to be one of the handful of people that are a little more equal a la Animal Farm that will have a little bit more under his system. It's not about them all being equal. Somebody's got to run it, don't forget. Who's going to run the show? Well, isn't it awfully convenient that a guy who would be theoretically elected president is going to be the one who brings in socialism and somebody has to be there to make sure it runs smoothly and live in the White House with tons of stuff, and money, and food. Somebody has to be there to make sure, right? That's pretty convenient, isn't it? No, no absolutely. Uh, another clip, actually, too, from, last, uh, from, uh, from the Bill Maher program, too, real time, is that Maher actually already claims that the U.S. is already a socialistic country with programs like Medicare and the Social Security. Let's see that clip. Socialism is the programs they already like. They like Social Security. That's socialism. But here's they like Medicare. They like the VA. They like right. the military. No, that's exactly that's, right. It's but, already a socialist country. But what we have to... No, it's not a socialist country. It's quasi. Quasi. There are some socialist programs. This is my big thing tonight, to get you to undemonize this word. Um, is America a socialist country? 
no, we're not a socialist country. Although he does have a point, whereas these programs with Medicare and Social Security, those are socialistic programs, too. They are. That does redistribute wealth. And whether you're, you're for them or against them, that doesn't even, uh, doesn't, isn't even important within the argument. I do believe they are socialistic. But because those systems exist, doesn't make our country socialist. But we are, I mean, with some of those programs heading down the road of socialism. Absolutely. But here's the thing about it. What did he cite? Medicare, the VA, other things. How are those programs working? The Veterans Administration has never been successful. Listen to me. We've done the work. I told you we're working on a, on a plan to change the VA. Do your research. Check out the history of how we've treated veterans in America. The Veterans Administration started in 1930 after 10 years, roughly 10, 9, 10 years of failures of the Veterans Bureau, which was virtually the same thing. Just a lot more failures. It got bad press. They said, let's just change the name and continue the crappy service. Well, and like with so many things with government, they said, well, we, we just didn't do it big enough. We just didn't spend enough money. So that's why they launched the Veterans Administration. And after, what, 80-some-odd years, their budget now is up to $170 billion every single year. It isn't a lack of funding for the VA. It's mismanagement. It's bureaucracy we see within the VA. If you were to divide up the budget of the Veterans Administration amongst all veterans. It works out to around $10,000 per veteran. $10,000 is what we pay annually per veteran. And if you take those just that are getting veterans in the VA medical system, it's about $17,000 to $20,000 per veteran. That's what it works out to, ballpark area. You think they're getting $10,000 or $20,000 worth of, of benefits from the Veterans Administration? How many veterans do you know? Are they singing the praises of the Veterans Administration? Or would they rather have the $10,000 to buy their own health insurance? Or the $20,000 to buy their own health insurance? I mean, we could just give them checks for this and not be out any money, except we wouldn't have the bureaucracy to deal with and all of the failures because people would be responsible for themselves. So while Bill Maher cites these great socialist programs, he's not giving you the facts on them. The VA is a failure. Why would people like them? Because people will. If you take surveys and you say, well, do you like the Veterans Administration or do you want it to go away, Mr. Veteran, who depends on the Veterans Administration? Tell you, uh, Mr. Senior Citizen, do you like Social Security or would you like Social Security to go away? When they interview them, they play on fear. Do you want this program or do you want us to take it away? They don't ask them the right questions. Instead of asking them, you senior citizen who's been around for quite a while, you've seen how the world operates, you know some things. Is this the best system, or would you rather have something instead of Social Security? For example, if 100 years ago or 50 or whenever it was that you started paying into the system, if you had an option where you could play, put in for your own retirement, 10%, 20%, whatever it is, and then you would control it. It would be a pension that you would control, and if you never took any of the benefits because you died too early you'd be able to offer that money to one of your beneficiaries. Which would you rather have? And show them. Here's Social Security, here's this. Which would you rather have? Do you think you'd get the same answer about how they love Social Security? If you offer veterans uh, vouchers, here you go. Here's $10,000 a year, buy your own health insurance, or 15 or whatever it ends up. Or you can deal with that crappy-ass VA medical system. Which do you think they would take? And the same thing with Medicare and Medicaid. We offer these programs, say there's better ways to do this stuff. 
If you offered him that, would you get the same reaction? But Bill Maher talks about how they love these socialist programs. And if we actually did that, if we actually did give all the veterans who are part of the VA vouchers or just assign them up for Obamacare, give them cash to go ahead and buy private insurance, we could sell all the VA hospitals off to the private sector. We could actually make money off of these, these palatial buildings, too, that they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars in building. They wouldn't need to lose jobs. Those people who currently work at the VA who are nurses and doctors would be able to be hired by the Presbyterian or Blue Cross Blue Shield, the places that actually run hospitals and actually are able to do it successfully, and they would be able to give all those veterans actual private care. So a little bit more with Bill Maher, Bernie Sanders on his program. They're talking about how you pay for all of these programs there, where Bernie Sanders like, ah, we got all of this stuff we're going to do. Elect me president, everybody gets free stuff, free stuff for everybody. How are you going to pay for it? Oh, okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with that. Coming up, Pat and Stu program. talk about this stuff folks i am willing to i am willing to be challenged on any of this stuff with any of these knuckleheads yet they are not willing to be challenged doesn't that lay out right there i mean doesn't that automatically put you in the hey who's giving it to you straight who's got who's got the info if you got two people me or two groups skip and i the blaze and we're telling you one thing and we're saying but hey challenge us fine we'll we'll debate you We'll go on your program, come on our program, we'll, we'll lay it all out there. Great, cool, all right. And by the way, Doc is, is not a smart man. No! I mean, these people fact, out there... I'm an who, idiot, I can figure this out. These people out there running for president, I mean, I'm college educator, and out there trying to go ahead and say, I want to go ahead and be your president, too. I'm smart, I've got the answers. Doc, not a smart man, but willing no. to go ahead and sit down and debate you on that, because he has the facts on his side. Here it is. So, come on, Bernie, where are you? Where you Come on here, where do you want me? Do it. Bill Maher, sure, the president, let's go, I'll do it. But they won't. Why? Because theirs is about marketing, about an attitude, about a message that they want to give you. And that message is not truth or fact. We're going to get some calls here in a few, too. Uh, get the calls in, too. It's 888-727-BECK. But we do want to play this uh, final clip, too, from Real Time, where uh, Bill Maher is challenging Bernie Sanders on how he's going to pay for all these programs. The amount of tax revenue that we would get just from taxing the people who I think your fans think you're talking about the people who own a yacht, does not come close to covering what you want to pay for. Not true. Not true. Come on. You're saying by only taxing the top... No, what I'm saying is there have been articles out there that have been really unfair and wrong. For example, what they are suggesting if we move toward a Medicare for all single-payer program, which guarantees health care to all people, it would cost a lot of money. That's true. But what they forget to tell you is it would be much more cost-effective than the dysfunctional system we have right now, which is but, the most expensive per capita on Earth. But it couldn't even work in your home state of Vermont. They were going to institute it, and, and the governor said, it's going to cost too much money. We just can't do it. It would be the entire budget. Uh, that's <laughs> Bill Maher saying that. The guy who, mind you, said, I want to see you get elected. <laughs> Bill Maher, number one, challenged Bernie Sanders, you can't pay for it. And still wants him to be elected. 
What does that mean? He still wants him to be elected. Why would he still want him to be elected, knowing that he can't pay for this stuff? It's agenda, I guess. He's willing to take whatever comes, knowing that he can't pay for it. Doesn't matter. Where are you going to get it then? You can tax the rest of us. Great. That's he's he, that has to be what it is if he's willing to take it. Because you realize it's not just going to be a tax on the people who own yachts, the top one percent. It's going to be raising the taxes on everybody, from the people who make uh, millions, billions of dollars to the people who make uh, fourteen thousand dollars a year flipping burgers. You're going to pay more for it. It's it's basic economics. Right. So, which is crazy. So, Bill's just admitted his failure right there. Wall Street Journal says that even if he were to confiscate 100% of what those people make, it's still not enough to pay for it. It's not. Look around. Look at the national debt. Look at how much money America takes in. Look at the level of prosperity we have. And we're still in debt that much, still losing? Folks, this is not about an income or an income problem. It's not that we don't have enough. It's that we don't spend it properly. That's the truth. We have mismanaged our money, and we have done that for decades. And why have we mismanaged it? Because there's people that are stealing it. There are people that are lining their own pockets that are getting rich because of this. The people in D.C., the corporate America, the people who end up pulling politician strings to get their government contracts so they can make money. This is the truth. We know that. We just have to fix it. And Bernie Sanders is not going to be the one to fix this. So even if you were the starry-eyed youth out there that say, Doc, those corporations are screwing us. You're right. Absolutely. Who's allowing them to screw you? The politicians? Do you think Bernie's going to change things? I just laid out how he won't. How do I know? Because he and his ilk have not changed things all of these years. They haven't. The solution is capitalism. That's it. And to not let these people control the career politicians. You would be better off firing everybody in D.C. and starting over and rolling the dice if you are the youth who wants to stop the corruption, the power and influence of the corporations on American politics. You'd be better off just firing everybody. Get re if you just said, I'm never going to support and we will never elect somebody that has the label of a career politician, whatever that means, you'd be better off. You'd automatically get rid of some of that influence. Bernie Sanders is not going to do it. That's not going to be the solution. All right, let's get some calls. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. Who do we have? We have a Julie. Let's go to Julie now. How are you, Julie? Hi, guys. Hi there. What's going on? I love it when you sit in. Oh, thank you so oh, much. Appreciate you. it. You betcha. Um, listen, <laughs> you were talking about failures of the Obamas that are starting to show up. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been helping a young couple, dear friends of mine. And he's been having some back problems. And I told them about a doctor here in San Antonio that could do surgery on it and fix him. And it's a very simple surgery. You go in and it gets done. And they said, how much does it cost? And I said, well, what insurance do you have? You've got Obamacare, right? <clears throat> they said no. They tried to get it. They were told they didn't make enough money. I, Excuse me, I thought everybody was going to get it. it. It is incredible, the failures. In fact, Obama just um, last week, Skip and I were on vacation, so I'm going from memory here. Last week, the president just signed some new changes to Obamacare. He has changed Obamacare and made alterations to it. Dozens of times. Dozens of times, right. I thought it was great. Uh -huh. Right. right? I mean, hey, Keith had a very good idea. 
your call screener had a very good idea. He said, we ought to start uh, a new hashtag. We told you so. <laughs> By the way, please don't inflate the ego of the call screen. Yeah, I don't. They, they they're do they're really not bright people. I also you know. told him what a beautiful wife he has. Oh, yeah. See, we don't, they don't need any of that. Thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. that's just going to feed into it. That's it's going to be really ugly bad. around here. They'll be impossible. We keep them back in a cage for a reason. For a reason. reason. That's, really that's the reason we do it. don't need any inflation of the ego. Let's get a quick break, and then we'll come back with more. Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu. asking for some help with this. I know it's silly, but it's something that's been bothering us, and we can't for do it on years. our... years. Well, we can't do it on our radio show because we just can't explain it. We've tried our best, and we've tweeted some pictures and that, but it just doesn't get it done. We want to know what this symbol is. And if you're just listening on the Blaze Radio, it's where you, you clench your hands together, and then you pull them up one side of your head, kind of in a celebratory, cheering and shaking them, and then over to the other side. It's the... Again, I don't know how else to describe it. Can you help me describe it? That, that's the best I've got. I've tried for years to Google, I mean, cupping hands and shaking over each shoulder to, to no avail. However, the amazing uh, listeners and viewers of the Blaze TV apparently have found an answer. We got a tweet a little while ago. We want to bring hmm. up this tweet that apparently does answer the question. And right. it's from, uh, from Mark. It's apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's called the self-clasping handshake. Self-clasping handshake, okay. You can, you can see Reagan doing that now, too. They also tweeted a link to a Wikipedia article, too, that was checked out. And apparently it does harken back to the days of, of boxing, too. And it's, uh, it's meant to, uh, like, holding up one's hands, too, like after a boxing match, too, to signify the winner, too. And it's just something that has become a, a, a hand signal of, of celebration or acknowledging one's... Uh, One's uh, a win or success. Okay, so I'm, I'm look break down the description of it. The name, self-clasping handshake. Okay, self-clasping. You clasp, clasp oneself. Clasp yourself, which isn't great, but okay. But then handshake. If you ask me what a self-clasping handshake was, I would do this. <laughs> like you're shaking your own hand. Obviously, yes, this is also shaking your hand, but I, I, I don't even. That's. Uh, I'll take them at their word. I don't even know how you found that self-clasping handshake. And we knew it was celebratory. But, even, okay, let's say if the history is boxing, right, or uh, where you raise, you know, you, you raise somebody else's hand like this. You're the winner, right? And that's two hands, and this is kind of similar to that. Um, why wouldn't it be this then? No, that's good. Well, why, I guess it why has, wouldn't you be holding well, and, and your own too, hand I mean, like this? The winner, hey! Well, and, and even in, like, a boxing match, too. I mean, it's not both hands that go up. <laughs> it would be one. So why is it, yeah, not one and waving like this? But apparently that's it, and... That solves a problem that Doc and I have had for the past, what, four years Oh no, I still find it odd, the whole yeah. thing. It's clearly something old, though. You don't see people doing that now. But here's the deal, though. Here's the thing. While the Wikipedia article that I quickly was able to look at doesn't have a whole lot of information, at least with knowing self-clasping handshake. We can do more research. I'm going to try to figure... Next time we fill in for Pat and <laughs> Stu, we're doing a two-hour expose <laughs> on the self-clasping handshake, and I'm going to give the whole history. Well, of and if you, if you look at the picture of Reagan, too, I mean, Reagan was not a young guy in this picture. I mean, Reagan was, you know, really prolific yeah. in the 
earlier parts of the, the 20th century. I mean, even though he was president of the later part, I mean, he was, he was old then. He, he's from a generation where people would like, why, I oughta, you mugs, you know, I'm going to share <laughs> yeah, this yeah. like this, right? I mean, that was... In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get the people that, for the record, actually, on this. We're going to do a, a for the record <laughs> exclusive on the self-clasping handshake. I'm, I'm not gonna... sure uh, Glenn's going to think that's a wise spending of capital. I'm not sure. Maybe. maybe I, I don't want to speak for him. Maybe he'll be like, finally, someone's well, going to get to the bottom of the Next time he's on vacation, then I'm going to make handshake. He's not always here. So. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. Catherine, you're on the line. How you doing, Catherine? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Now, don't you feel better, Catherine, awesome. knowing what a self-clasping handshake is? I know I do. I totally do. You know, <laughs> I, I think I can sleep at night now. Okay, good. So glad. Good. <laughs> so I just wanted to circle back to the veteran issue and our suicide rate. I'm a Marine vet myself, and now I'm actually a combat medic in the Army. And I just want to say I have extensive training in um, suicide awareness and prevention and intervention, if you will. Now, in the last month, I've intervened in three suicides and guys in my unit alone. And uh, I just want to say that it's scary to me because I think in the military, we're trained in how to recognize those those situations, those attitudes, those things that they say when they're drowning there, grasping for a life raft. And we know how to kind of, you know, reach out and help them if they reach out enough that we can see something and we can, you know, ask those questions that are hard to ask. But the issue is when they go home, they're not around soldiers. They're not around Marines. They're not around sailors and airmen. They the people that they're around aren't trained, don't know what to look for. So I think something that we could do is to maybe start training our families, training our, our friends to know what to look for, because I just don't think there's awareness out there outside the military um, family. Catherine, I'm, I'm so happy you called today. we got so much to talk about here. <laughs> okay, first of all. Yeah, I, oh gosh, yeah, I could talk. I could teach a seminar on it for two days. First of you all, know, it's, um, it's th best. thank you so much for your service, Absolutely. sincerely. And thank Second Honestly, of, when, yeah. when someone says thank you for our, our service, we want to thank you for supporting us because if we don't have you at our backs, then we got nothing. So thank you for your support. Well, absolutely. And this is this. The first problem is you're right. People don't know. They don't know what's going on. And when they do hear about uh, the statistics of people killing themselves or um, the barriers of Veterans Administration, they're just statistics. They're numbers. They don't matter until we talk to people right. like you and we hear this stuff and you realize it's. It's people that are going through this. There's a face with that number. Right, exactly. Catherine, one of the things we're hearing over and over again is something that you touched on, and we've already interviewed dozens and dozens of veterans and talked to other ones on our radio program and outside, some that won't be interviewed because they fear reprisal from the VA and they won't get their benefits. But they keep mm -hmm. uh, echoing some, a similar message. Number one, that the reason veterans understand veterans is, especially combat veterans, is yeah. you are put in this situation and you are heightened you're at a heightened state of awareness and you have to rely on the people around you and they have to rely on you and you go yeah. home and you're not in this same situation but it's hard to turn off that heightened sense of awareness yet you no longer have those people around you that you feel you can trust to get your back is that about right that is nail on the head absolutely and then you feel like a weirdo i remember when i came home from iraq i was driving around i lived I'm from West Virginia, but now I live here in California. It's a crazy difference. But <laughs> um, I got to say, I remember seeing debris on the road. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh. And there was nothing to worry about. It was just garbage. But in, in the Middle East, you're worrying about a bomb underneath of there. So, but everyone looked at me like I was a nutcase. 
Catherine, and, I, and I have heard feel weird. I have heard that exact story from at least three veterans in the past couple of weeks. Talking Same thing. Piece of cardboard on the Car- side of the cardboard road, box something, and they say, "Oh my God, that could be an EI, uh, an IED." Let's IED, IED, and let's you know swerve out. Oh wait a minute, it's just a box. I mean, I mean, exactly. uh, you know, exactly. Ohio or something. I don't have to worry about these things. <laughs> exactly, but we do, and so we feel like an outcast. People don't know how to relate to us, People, and we don't know how to relate to the people we used to relate to. Well, Catherine, and Catherine, too, we'd spoke a little bit earlier, too, about how the, the official numbers from the Veterans Administration is, is 22 or so veterans a day kill themselves. But that's, that's with only, I believe, 26 states reporting on that. There are so many states that don't report, so the actual number is inflated to more around 70. So uh, all these yeah. numbers are being swept completely under the rug. And um, it's just disgusting that the, the numbers that they say, 22 is horrible at that, but, but 70? Yeah. 70 is just unconscionable. It's- it is absolutely. You're right. You're right. And the other thing is, is that not all veterans are part of the VA system because right. they know it's so broken mm-hmm. that they don't even mess with it. So they aren't even included in those numbers. Are and you, you know, I, in my civilian job, I work as a medical professional as well. I do device sales, so I do pins and plates and screws. Well, I work at the VA. It's one of my favorite places to be because those guys just—I feel at home there. But you know, I know that I know at least I have a little part in their care. Um, but it's just so difficult to see their faces. They just look downtrodden all the time. It makes me sick. It's broken. Gotta fix it. Are you are are you part of? Do you get your medical through the VA? I do actually. I get my medical care through the VA too. Have you seen? Here's tell me your experience, and I'll tell you first of all some of the okay. things that we've heard. Um, almost universally, any veterans in the system say, "Hey, listen, there's some good people that work for the VA. Some really dedicated yes. people." However. <laughs> there are far too few. There are far too many people that don't care at the VA. And the good people, yep. although there's fewer of them, often they can't see them. They can't actually deal with them because the administration is, or the, um, yeah, the administration is so bloated that you don't get the appointments when you need them. You can't get in there. No. Um, you can't decide no. who you want to see and deal with. These, these are the things we are no, over you don't and over. Get to you don't get to choose. I was part of the women's health part, and then my provider is retiring, so they just shoved me in with all the homeless guys and stuff, and I'm like, well, what is this? I <laughs> wow. want a women's health provider. Mm-hmm. I don't want general care. I wanted a female doctor. I liked, I liked my doctor. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can keep your doctor if you like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I need, some, I need some imaging done on my wrist from an old injury. Well, I have to wait now until December to actually get my wrist looked at, and I'm still, you know, it's just, it's nuts. We also have heard over it's and not. over that it's, uh, it's about medication, that all they want to do is medicate you. They don't want to help Pickle. you. They don't want to solve yeah. problems or cure you. They yeah. just want to keep you pickled. Have you seen that? Because I, now I'm a Christian and I go to church. I have a great support system within my church and my pastoral team and everything. And I just, I love my church and my church family. Um, but sometimes you need someone who you can talk to in a different way. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'd love some counseling. They're like, oh, well, try these pills first. Well, try this pill. Try that pill. I don't want drugs. I want to talk about it, and I want to feel better. Well, Catherine, that's and they one of the, don't really make that available. That's one of the things we've been hearing time and time again. I, I actually firmly believe that we could end end up uh, uh, preventing so many of these suicides with counseling, and not even one-on-one with a counselor, but yeah. a, a getting a group of veterans together, people who have seen that, combat veterans together, who can sit in, yes. a, in a non-threatening manner and just talk to each other about what talk. they've seen and what they've experienced. 
Absolutely. Catherine, too, will you do me a favor, too? I want you to shoot me an email at skip at theblaze.com. I want to go ahead and talk to you Absolutely. further about this, too. What, I'm are sure you hitting on her now? I'm sure she could help out with our with our project. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I I would love oh, yeah. to. I skip at theblaze.com. You got it. I'm gonna send it right now. Awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. And again, thank you for your service. We thank you guys really for having me on. I, I love you guys. guys. Thanks so much. It Appreciate it. Was it strictly? You had to go there. Was it 100%? I know you care about the veterans and you're trying to help the project. That I know that about you. But can you honestly say? You saying, hey, shoot me an email was 100%. Okay, let's just move on, okay? I'm just, let's just, just move I on, mean, okay? We've, got, we've still got There's something to attractive about. We kind of went off the rails Marine, a little bit you know, here. But uh, let's you know, just, okay, very let's good. just probably move on. Maybe, you know, maybe we just get a break and regroup. I think that's that good, regroup. Probably the best we've for all of us. Some... Hey, if you've got uh, a story to share about the Veterans Administration, whether you're a veteran, a family member of a veteran, a whistleblower, somebody who works there, a doctor, please email skip at theblaze.com and together, we will change the Veterans Administration. Thompson and Skip McCollum in for Patents due today. I'm assuming they'll be back tomorrow. When I say back, I mean back on the air tomorrow because, well, let's just move on. Uh, tomorrow morning, we'll, we'll be on the air as well. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll be on the air yeah. tomorrow. We'll see. We're, we're scheduled at this point to be on. We'll see what happens a little bit later. Uh, Theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. Please check that out. Theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. Um, we found, and by we, I mean our producers found some more of our, one of our favorite segments when we filmed for Patents due. It's the sexist ads for many, many years ago. And people say these are sexist ads, but I found that often I think they are quite reasonable. Sometimes people are overreacting to what they say. Or, about oh, they're sexist like ads, but I mean, it was a different time. Let's check out some of these time. here. Let's check them out. Let's give you a read this one. Uh, yes, we have, uh, the soldiers need our help. Gather around American women. Turns out your gals are useful after all. Whew. Uh, so what's the problem? I think this, this is celebrating women. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go on the side of sexism with okay, this. Okay, what part? What part of it do you it's find It's useful after all, meaning that, you know, before they found the use for these women, there was no use nay, for these women. Nay, 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 nay. How do you explain this This is admitting then? that they didn't recognize. This is a failure of men. This is men recognizing their failures. Oh, turns so it's almost an I'm sorry. Yes, it's, it's a mea culpa. It's saying, turns out you guys are useful after all. We were idiots. We didn't know you were useful. Okay. See? Okay, you win me over on that one. So, so number one. That's yeah, one for Doc. Look at this. Women's empowerment. Soldiers, get together. Get out and work. This is uh, Rosie the Riveter here. And, wow, we were morons to not realize how powerful you are. All right, I'm going to keep track. It's okay. one for Doc. All right, what else so Let's see the next one. <clears throat> and a woman, a woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. Okay, you have any trouble with that so far? Uh, Can you read a little more of it there? Let's see. Uh, with the first half of the statement, uh, Rudyard uh, Kipling may have perhaps have gone a bit Rudyard. too far. Uh, let's see. With the second half, we feel he didn't go quite far enough. A good cigar is a smoke, yes, but might with the equal justice have gone to remark that a bad cigar is a drag. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's getting to it. I think they mean pretty much the opening line. A woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. Okay, I'm going to say this is not a sexist ad. This is just stupid. I don't even know what it means. Even if it was sexist, what does it mean? 
I, I, I kind of come along the line of this being woman empowerment, too, that a woman is a woman. We should celebrate the fact that I'm woman, hear me roar kind of thing. A, a woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. It's only a smoke. It's not a woman. A woman is able to bring life into this world. A, a cigar is just a smoke. I'm going to say just confusing. Not sexist. Now, I'm, I'm putting that on my column. Okay, very good. All right. All right, what else do we got here? All right, let's see. This is uh, for Hardee's. It says, women don't leave the kitchen. We all, know man's, a, a well, we all know a woman's place is in the home, cooking a man a delicious meal, but if you're still enjoying the bachelor's life and don't have a little miss waiting on you, then come on down to Hardy's for some sloppy, hastily prepared. Well? Okay, I've, I've known women who are really good cooks. <laughs> See, okay. See, there you go. But here's the deal. Uh -huh. I've had some really good Hardy's as well. Hardee's, although this is an older ad, and I'm not sure Hardee's was that tasty back in the day. Okay. Was it that tasty back in the day? I, I don't think I was there okay. for that, so. All right. I'm going to go undetermined on that I'm going to leave that one undetermined as well. All, All right. right. Let's move on Let's to the, the next, next one. one. Next possibly sexist ad. All right. Okay. Do you still beat your wife? Um, I'm just going to go sexist with that no, one. No, no, no. You've got to read the rest of it, and it'll explain the whole thing. Uh, maybe you should never have stopped. <laughs> do you want me to keep going on Yes, that? please do. All right. Read why on the Rick... Uh, uh, roll the rolling Rick. Uh, a provocative yet educational booklet entitled, Why You Should Beat Your Wife, written by an eminent practitioner of this manly art. Send 15 cents and stamps or coins to uh, this company. Uh, I'm going to say I cannot rule it sexist for one main reason. What's that? Have you read the publication that it's, uh, that it's uh, citing? Have you read I, that I publication? Not. I have not. Okay. Maybe if you read the publication, you would say, ah, now I know what they mean. Perhaps we should send 15 cents to this company and actually find out. And I believe innocent until proven guilty. I'm not willing to condemn them without all the facts in there. Undetermined? No, no. I'm saying undetermined means not sexist. Okay, if you don't have right, I'm, otherwise right, you're saying I'm, guilty until proven innocent. I'm going to give you that. No, you're right. So, so you far, on that one. all of them have not been sexist. Not one sexist ad there. Right, let's see if we can get one more in real quickly. Okay, one more. I'm gonna get one I don't more. know if we're going to have time for that, actually. Here we go. Okay, one more real quickly. Let's see. If you ever broke 14 fingernails cleaning an oven, you'd know why I want this self-cleaning one. No, that women empowerment again. It's I don't helping. want you breaking your nails. That's great. See? We need self-cleaning ovens. See? Absolutely not sexist. Way Man. too sensitive. They're looking for trouble here. See you tomorrow morning at the Blaze Radio Network. Doc and Skip for Patton Steele.